The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is, if you're listening to the podcast in audio format, Monday, Monday, April 25th. I know that breach, John Breach, because Saturday is April 23rd. It's my wife's birthday. She'll be 31. That's a lie. And uh, that two days later is obviously Monday. So... Happy belated birthday to my wife on audio format. Happy early birthday to my wife, my lovely wife, AK, in YouTube format, because we are live at 1 p.m. as we are every day, every weekday for the rest of time. Currently, Friday, April 22nd. We're going to talk some Kyler Murray, some news and notes, and then we'll hit a mailbag. And then we'll hit a mailbag. And, you know, if Princeton is is not around to host draft coverage next week, it's because he forgot his wife's birthday on Saturday. Mentions it on YouTube, mentions it on the podcast, and then just totally uh, forgets to celebrate it on Saturday. She texted me on Friday. um, She was like, you know what? So I'm I'm the coach of Robbie, my son's flag football team. Myself and my uh, – we're the Bills, actually. What? Yeah, actually, you know what? Like, I know that I'm a – not considered a great football mind, like an X's and O's guy, but I installed a pretty sick jet sweep based system that, ba- that like, uh, so basically, so you're basically uh, the Kyle Shanahan of this flag football league. It's Kyle Shanahan based. It is. So it's like, um, you have, let's see, it's six turtle players, six on six, eight year olds, seven, eight year olds, nine year olds. And I did, I built a, uh, a tri- uh, triple stack wide receiver on the right side, single wide receiver left. And it, you basically have uh, the jet sweeps function. One of the receivers runs the jet sweep. It's either red, blue, or green, depending on what we call in the in the huddle. And then you can do a red one is the jet sweep around to the left. Red two is the reverse. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's it's not that like amazing, but it, it's working. Now you just need to incorporate some throwing into the jet sweeps. Oh yeah, that's next. This is that's this week. Buddy. The team's gonna be unbeatable. I can't wait until your son turns into Debo Samuel and starts demanding a trade. Doing it, 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 yeah, that's right. Somebody's. I mean, if I were playing on my team, I'd demand a trade too. Um, we let the kids name the pass plays, and they were like, "We want to call it Purple Nurple." So, that's you, a great name for a pass play. No. Um, anywho, <laughs> Purple Nurple, Purple Nurple. Uh, oh, Andrew Schaefer in the chat. Says his actual 31st birthday is today. I was joking about my wife turning 31. She's not 31. But happy birthday, Andrew. Andrew Schaefer has an Earth Day birthday. Mike Mike Kenny asked, what do you do when the kids are colorblind? Well, there's no actual colors. We just say the, the color. Like the, the, it's, well, it's what crazy. if they can't what if they can't hear color? Did you think about that one, Brenton? I, I I didn't I didn't. I would have <laughs> had that been an issue at practice, I would have found a uh, alternative. Maybe numbers, letters, anything. <laughs> oh boy, this is. 
this this podcast i cannot wait off, to fly to Raleigh absolutely off the rails see this flag football team in action we oh uh, so the the team i haven't been there the last um i wasn't there the last week but the last game that i was there to coach the other team was coached by a guy wearing a navy midshipman shirt and was had a like printed out play sheet oh no he actually played at navy afterwards i talked to him and he, he said he played at navy and um i i regret to inform everyone that we crushed him well i was gonna say so based on the coach description it sounds like a little giant situation where he's al bundy and you're rick moranis and you're That's just a great call drawing up these crazy plays and somehow winning no one knows how you have to run the annexation of puerto rico at some point and I was wearing like some obnoxious like Super Bowl pullover. And I was wearing that the big the big gold Super Bowl pullover. So he's like he's like, who is this short blogger that's smashing my Navy midshipman? Uh, that's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, um, we're off the rails already. Yeah, probably will continue to be that way. Um, so on Thursday night, we're gonna talk about this really quickly. Or Thursday afternoon, I guess. Uh, Steve Kime, Arizona Cardinals GM, who is very typically very upfront with the media and not afraid to say what he thinks and say what he means was asked about trading Kyler Murray and said, quote, zero chance, which I think breach was kind of obvious. They weren't trading Kyler Murray. It's not like this is a Russell Wilson situation. He's, he's on his rookie deal. And Kyler came out later and said he wants to win Super Bowls that, I don't know, you fill me in on whatever Kyler, whatever else Kyler did. I felt like it was, I mean, I know it's important and we need to talk about it, but it does feel like this, like this little saga with the Cardinals is, is just annoying. Yeah, I do agree that it is annoying, but I don't think this was, uh, if, I mean, if you would ask me a week ago, I would have put a Kyler trade at 50, 50, cause that's what it felt like. It felt like Kyler Murray wanted out. He wants a new contract. The team has not made any contract offers and uh, Kyler Murray's agent made sure to was, following the public in every step of the way on how bad it is to play for and negotiate with an organization like the Cardinals. So when you're just throwing the team under the bus, that's not a good sign uh, or deleting them from your social media or doing anything else. So it had all, for instance, it had all the perfect signs of a breakup. We've all been there and that's where it seemed like it was going. But I would say based on what not just Steve Kime, but Cardinals owner, Michael Bidwell said Thursday, um, he basically said, yeah, that's not happening. We're not trading Kyler. And so it seems like they're on the same page. And I thought the interesting thing that Kime said is that, uh, hey, look, we have the draft, and then we'll take a deep breath and sort of refocus. That's sort of the reason every other player that has been a third-year quarterback has been extended in the middle of the summer or late summer, end quote. So Kime's basically saying that usually uh, when you're eligible for this extension as a quarterback, you don't get it in April. You get it in June. You get it in July. That's what happened with Mahomes, Josh Allen. Uh, and that Kyler just needs to be patient. And I feel like uh, Kyler Murray finally got that, finally understood that some reason, because as you said, he chimed in on Twitter and said, I want to win Super Bowls with the Cardinals. Arizona is home. And that was big because that was the first time he's really come out and said that. I know he did a, an interview after a golf tournament, but he's not going to throw the Cardinals under the bus and start some controversy during a golf tournament interview. This was the first time where, uh, unprovoked. Nobody asked him to do it. He just went on Twitter and supported the Cardinals, uh, which is a huge sign because four months ago he deleted the Cardinals from his Twitter. So oh, yeah, feel like he's come full circle here. So I, I would say last week I was 50, 50 on a Murray Cardinals trade this week. It feels like uh 90, 10, 90, I, I was always 0% Kyler Murray trade. Like, I, I mean, let's think about this. 
the way that this has been, first of all, I think um, Eric Burkhardt does a great job as an agent, but the way that he, the way that he and Kyler have handled this is just not how you do business. Like Kyler has been very good. Kyler at some points in the past two years has been considered an MVP candidate. Has he ever been at like an absolutely elite quarterback? No, there are very big highs and, and, and some lows. And, there are definitely some concerns about, is he going to take that next step? Can he, can he get the Cardinals to a championship? Can he get the, can he, you know what? Can he get the Cardinals a playoff win? How about that? And to come out like in the, like immediately following the Super Bowl and issue this passive aggressive, passive aggressive statement where you call it the Cardinals and you, you, you know, basically throw everybody under the bus and demand a new contract again, without actually asking for one. When it's it should be obvious to anyone who follows pro football that if you're going to get a contract like this, you get it after the draft. So trying to leverage the Cardinals by doing it before the draft, to me, felt like bad business. And now everybody's having to walk everything back. They're not going to trade him. They can pick up his fifth-year option. They can franchise tag him three times. He's not going anywhere. If he wants to, be, if he wants to move while on the rookie deal, He's going to have to play out those years, like Kirk Cousins, like maybe Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so but if he, if he had been willing to hold out, though, which he implied, does no, that change outs, anything? Hold and, outs don't happen anymore. And how much? Well, I mean, it, people haven't been threatening holdouts, but he threatened one. If he holds out, he just loses money, and he his contract will toll. And you think the Cardinals are okay with their starting quarterback? Not, you know, that's not enough for something to get done. I think that any professional football team understands how much leverage they have in the new CBA and will not be held hostage by a single player, even a franchise quarterback. Well, I think Unless it's like Aaron Rodgers and, you know, the deal is up and you got to figure something out. Right. Well, the one thing I will say is that, and the one thing that kind of throws a wrench in the Kyler Murray situation and what makes it so interesting is, and you kind of alluded to this without bringing up the money, but how much money do you give Kyler Murray? You know, as you said, he has not won a playoff game. At times, he looks like an MVP. At other times, he looks like a poor man's Baker Mayfield, where you just don't know if he's going to, you don't know how he's going to look. So do you give him Deshaun Watson money, $46 million? No, no. Do you, do you give him $40 million? He's going to ask for he, top he, of the market. He has to get $40 plus million, $40 million plus. Like, so, and at what number are you saying, yeah, we're not giving you that? 43, 44, 45? Well, I mean, if, if I'm Steve Kime and Michael B and Bidwell, you know, uh, it, it's it probably depends on the structure, right? Like, if you want Derek Carr's contract, <laughs> yeah, buddy. And by, by the way, that's... how long ago was Derek Carr's contract announced? Like a week? Yeah. Have you heard, have you seen one tweet about the guaranteed money? Because I haven't. Like, no one is talking about, there's, I bet there's no guarantee. No, I, I think Florio had a breakdown of the contract, the entire contract, and basically... Uh, car. It's, it's like a one year deal. It's like a series he, he of one year like $24.5 million up front, which, if he had not signed the contract, he only had $19 million for 2022. So it's a $5.5 million raise. And then it's basically year to year after that. So if the Raiders want to get out of it after 2022, they're only out like $25 million. And that's good for both sides because if you're Josh McDaniels, you don't want to be locked in, stuck with a, a quarterback you don't want to work with. So they can get rid of him after 2022. And it's good for Derek Carr because he gets, you know, one year guaranteed with his buddy, Devontae Adams. And if they look awesome, then 
you know, he'll play out the rest of the contract. What are you? What are you, Derek Carr's agent? You, you no, I'm. I'm saying this is a great deal for the Raiders and Josh McDaniel. And and if Derek Carr signed it, he's obviously happy with it. I am. You you got a four million dollar raise. (laughs) Could you imagine? Yeah, exactly. But but like it was it was sold to like the media was like or sold to the fans is like a forty million dollar contract for Derek Carr. He got a four million dollar raise, and they can. It's year to year after that. Right, right. And I think Carr thinks there's no way he's getting cut after this year, so he's going to see you know at least year two of that contract for sure. But my point is that if Kyler wants $45 million, if Kyler wants $50 million a year and he'll do it on the Derek Carr contract style, I'll do it in a heartbeat. Well, you know who who was the original Derek Carr contract? Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr? <laughs> Andy Dalton. Oh, it is the Andy Dalton. He got that like six-year, $120 million deal. And everybody's like, oh my God, that's huge. And then 49ers did the same thing with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, and again- and later did it with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, and the 49ers and Bengals are famous for that. So, uh, yeah, but I would think that Kyler Murray would take as a slap in the face if the uh, Cardinals just erased Derek Carr's name from that contract, put Kyler Murray's in and was like, all right, man, we need you to sign this. It's $40 million a year, but you only have one year guaranteed. I, I think Kyler is a little worried that he might have a Lamar situation without the Lamar credentials where, you know, Lamar, we're talking about Lamar maybe getting a contract extension. And then 2021 happens, and, and Lamar was good, but he wasn't, you know, MVP Lamar in 2021 for various reasons, running game, injuries to the offensive line, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, if Kyler takes any sort of step back this year, the Cardinals have even more leverage to say, we're not going to give you this insane guaranteed contract that you want. You know? And so I think maybe that's why he's pressing here. They thought that they could force the Cardinals' hand knowing that the only time all these quarterbacks have been traded and the only method for the Cardinals to acquire another quarterback is through the draft at this point. But like the Cardinals, are, they're, they're just not going to trade Kyler. They're going to give him a contract. It's not going to be as much money as he wants. It's going to be propped up guaranteed. Or it's going to be propped up average annual value. Let me ask you this, Brenton. Would you rather pay Kyler Murray $40 million for 2022 or pay Baker Mayfield $18 million? I mean, Baker. <laughs> I mean, for $22 million extra? I'm just saying. I mean, a lot with $22 million, Breach. Uh, You know, if you were going to trade Kyler, that's how you, you you say, you know what, why don't we bring in Baker on the cheap? And then... And, and, and do... Okay, Kyler and Baker are boys, right? Oh, maybe. I, I don't know. There's some. I don't know if they're like best friends. No, no, but no, no, no. You can't bring in Baker because Baker and Cliff hate each other. Because Baker was at Texas Tech and transferred to Oklahoma. Because he it, it, from from right, 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 right. Just, yeah, you can't bring Baker. You can't bring into Arizona unless you were trying to like royally screw Cliff. <laughs> like, like, hey, Cliff. I know we just signed you to an extension, but Kyler's gone, and the guy that you can't work with is here. Oh man, it's yeah. just interesting to think about. I, I don't know. It's just it's just like. I don't understand why Kyler's camp is trying to drag up, like drum up all this like attention. Just put your head down, grind through the off season. You're not going to sign a no, no quarterback. I mean, you just don't see those sort of third year quarterback extensions at this point in time. Right. Or am I, maybe I'm wrong. I'm well, I mean, that's what we were saying is that there are, but it's few and far between Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, 
uh, are the two good ones. But then Jared Goff and Carson Wentz also kind of finagled their way into those early contracts. And that blew up in the face of the teams that did it. So there's no. Uh, actually, maybe I'm wrong. Um, no, wait. I'm trying to figure out when Goff signed his extension. He signed it in is in the summer. It was like yeah, or it was it was late, which is third. Nobody does it in nobody does it in March. You don't do these contracts before the draft. Even Mahomes didn't get his until the summer, and Mahomes was clearly the guy. You know, there was there's questions about whether Kyler Murray can be get his team to Super Bowls like Patrick Mahomes can, but even Mahomes had to wait. So you, you have don't, you don't sign these deals in February and March, right? The teams get through the the teams get under the under the cap. They get through free agency. They get through the draft, and then you figure out how you want to handle that contract extension for your quarterback. It was June sixth when Carson Wentz and the Eagles signed a contract. No one signs these deals in February and March. What what is the thought process for demanding it at that point? I have no idea. And that's the crazy thing is that if you're Kyler Murray's agent, you realize that this is not how business is done. Nobody no, this has never been done because the team's trying to plan for free agency. They're trying to plan for the draft. They have these things on their plate and they're saying, Kyler, you're in a contract for two more years. We'll get to you this off season, but we're not going to do it right this second because it's not high on the priority list. And the the weird thing too, is that uh, Burkhart is also Cliff Kingsbury's agent. And Cliff Kingsbury has gotten an extension from the Cardinals. The whole thing is bizarre. Very, yeah, it's very, it's very bizarre. Anywho, um, do you want to dive into the mailbag? Should we dive into the? Ah, we'll take a break. We'll take a break first, and we'll come back, and then we'll do the mailbag next. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H track all wheel drive, standard third row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H track all wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pad so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot carter finley shout out carter finley or whether you're whitewater rafting taking the entire family on an adventurous trip maybe you're out camping at mount rogers I used to go as a kid I wish my parents had a hyundai santa fe the hyundai santa fe is perfect for your family outing Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, time for some mailbag questions. Yeah, it is. Can you imagine, like, Breach, is it, are you, like, I wish I could do anything as elitely as you do the imitation of the PTI mailbag. You know, all credit to PTI (laughs) and that voiceover guy, because I literally... Voice yeah. cracked. Oh. It cracked me up when that show started in like 2004 and I was way younger and I'd get drunk and just go, mailbag. 
and and because that's what drunk college kids do and uh, i thought it was hilarious no one else did uh, i can't do it because I, my voice is kind of teetering on crackling because i was at a concert last night um saw little feet i don't know if you know little feet they're fantastic i know big feet and I know Littlefoot the Dinosaur from Land Before Time. Do not know Littlefeet. That's no, Littlefeet. Uh, maybe the most underrated band in music history. Ooh. I know that sounds insane, but it's true. Um, we were, they are kind of an old person band. And by old person, what I mean is not me, but like old, old people. I would say that of the, like the group that we were with was all my friends my age. We were probably the youngest people in the theater by 10 to 15 years. How old are the people in the band? One guy looked like he was 90. Okay. They had some younger guys they brought in too, but like th these guys are old. Should they be called old feet? They smashed too, man. They, they should probably be called, yeah, probably. Um, Jalen LeGrant points out, I am an elite. Yes. All right. So, okay. Uh, uh, not a throw up uh, John Olson's comment there about waiting for Columbus. The GOAT live album. So that's the tour they're doing. They play the whole live album. Like, Waiting for Columbus is like, uh, the album from Little Feet is a compilation of live tracks from their tour back in the 70s. How is the only other fan of Little Feet in the chat podcast right now? It's unbelievable. Uh, real, real people know who Little Feet are. And I'm, I'm a real person, Brinson. No, no, no. Real smart people. And they basically played the entire Waiting for Columbus live album last night. They were like, probably 12 people standing up in the crowd the guy in front of me physically could not stand up that's how old he was um let's see i'm trying to see how old these guys are the the original uh uh lowell george died let's see what, what the keyboardist was born in 1949 okay that's old yeah it's pretty old Anywho. 70 he's gonna be 73 this year if he hasn't not had his birthday yeah and as Jalen LeGrant points out, I am an elite humble bragger. Maybe the best humble bragger. Uh, and real quick to close our conversation uh, about Kyler Murray, here is the list of quarterbacks that signed after their third year. It's a really short list. We already talked about most of them. Allen, Mahomes, Goff, Wentz. The other two, Deshaun Watson and Ryan Tannehill. Oh. And Tannehill, and Tannehill was, got a Dalton contract. And Tannehill got his contract the earliest. He got it in May. So no one else ever got their contract after the third year before May. So the fact that Kyra was asking in February is just insane. Insane. In the uh, Tony Pritchard says, can't play it on two times speed if we're watching live. Yeah. You can't fast forward live. Should we talk faster? We can talk faster and then we can talk faster and then. I don't, know. don't move two times speed. Yeah, that's too much. You like the micro machine guy? <laughs> you think, kids don't know who micro machines are do they Not everybody knows micro machines oh man man all right let's get to the mailbag titans draft from luke d08 oh nada look at nada is i mean I is I, Debo's, you know, Debo, Debo's fired from the mailbag i know Nada's <laughs> got the, he's got the look he's got the mailbag question on the screen who do you think the titans should take during the draft or do you think the titans should trade up to try to get matt corral from luke d Oh, eight. I um, do not think anybody in this draft should trade up to get any quarterback. I, I like some of the quarterbacks. I like Matt Corral a lot. Tough. Has a, like, uh, an ability to throw, like, it's hard to know about the anticipation when it comes to Corral because he's in that RPO system. But he can put it into tight windows. He's, uh, you know, a, I don't want to call him a sneaky athlete because I'll get in, you know, that's like the 
Andrew Locke's a sneaky athlete. He's a professional quarterback. He's not a sneaky athlete. He's just an athlete. Um, Malik Willis has an absolute hose, but you know, you have to, you know, he played at Liberty. Like we don't, we don't, I, I, he didn't, he didn't look very good when he played in Raleigh, but he played well against some, you know, bigger schools. I think in the right system, he could be a monster. Same for Matt Corral. Kenny Pickett, I like, but he seems like more of a floor versus ceiling guy. And Desmond Ritter is the guy who's getting a lot of buzz as the first quarterback to be taken in this draft. Sort of like side buzz. Yeah. But no, they should not trade up. I would not draft a quarterback in this draft. I would say the other thing, the other reason they shouldn't trade up is because it's the Titans and no one is better at blowing first round picks than the Tennessee Titans. John Robinson has been great. If his one, his one Achilles heel, if you will, his one fatal flaw is that he just has been blowing first round picks. You look at the Titans uh, since 2017, <clears throat> excuse me, three of their six picks, first round picks since 2017 aren't even on the team anymore. And I have guys over the past five years and already be missing three of them. We don't even know if Caleb Farley is going to be any good because he tore his ACL last year. So that's now four out of six. Jeffrey Simmons is the only absolute stud so far. And they um, only got him because he tore his ACL, like working out for the draft and he fell in the process. Right. So if I'm a Titans fan, if I want any trade, I almost want to just trade out the first round and get all the pressure, but you don't want any pressure on John Robinson right now, just because of how much struggling, uh, they've had in the first round. Corey Davis, one of those picks, was Sean Evans, who just signed with the Falcons this offseason. And then the total disaster that was Isaiah Wilson. In Isaiah Wilson. Now, now, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's avocado here a little bit on the Titans. And I, I don't disagree with you. They have botched this badly. The two, the two biggest mistakes they made, at least in terms of, like, not that Corey Davis is great with the Jets, but he was, you know, I mean, you would have liked to have him last year instead of trading a second round pick for Julio Jones. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Jack Conklin. I mean, a horrendous mistake. He was an all-pro his first year as a rookie. Like, maybe, I don't know. But that's I, part of this process, that you, like, don't understand what you have. I don't don't, ask, I don't know. Take a, just take a flyer on the fifth-year option. Like, it's not going to kill you. They did the same thing with Corey Davis, and he got to walk. Rashawn Evans, you know, I mean. Didn't pick up his option place for the Falcons. Then. He didn't pick up his option either. Yep. Simmons, the, the 2019 draft with Simmons and AJ Brown as one and two is looks fantastic, but you're going to have so one good draft in five years. Doesn't excuse our, our one good top of the draft I, I just, in five years. Doesn't Isaiah Wilson, an absolute disaster. Caleb Farley TBD. But the, the other thing I was going to say is their picks have been Conklin was at eight. Corey Davis at five. That was, a, that was just a bad pick, by the way, a 2000, you could have had Patrick Mahomes. Um, or anybody else then 22 19 29 and 22 so like i'm not trying to give them a pat like i don't know it's a it's sort of like the belichick pats drafting thing where i just said first round picks Brenton. <laughs> how is your voice I, my, it's, not... I don't know was i at the little feet concert i just don't remember it uh but maybe you're a big feet just the first round picks they do fine with the rest of the draft it's just yeah. they've struggled early I, I'm just saying the last few drafts, they've been picking late in the first round, which inherently makes it more difficult. But Corey Davis, fifth overall, didn't pan out. So, yeah. And look, I mean, I, I, if, I were, if I were a Titans fan, I think I would want... For an offensive lineman. I mean, they're picking 26 overall. So you could be looking at... 
do you have to do you kind of have to worry about wide receiver, right? I mean, you definitely can think about wide receiver. Jennifer Robert Woods, but he's coming off that ACL. I mean, it, the the wide receiver room in Tennessee is very thin. It was very thin last year before they it was super thin before they traded for Julio. It was still thin. AJ Brown got hurt. Julio couldn't produce. And so now it's like if something happens with AJ Brown this year, Robert Woods is your one and Nick Akini Westbrook is your two or Des Fitzpatrick. I, I wouldn't mind adding another wide receiver. I would be fine if they went offensive line. There's going to be some guys down there in the, depending on how the draft plays out, where it's possible like Traylon Burks is there. It's possible Tyler Smith or Zion Johnson are there. Uh, Johnson, the BC interior offensive lineman, or Tyler Smith, the tackle from Tulane. Uh, Prisco, or uh, Tulsa, excuse me. Uh, Prisco was texting about it and, um, he thinks Smith might go higher than people think. So keep that, you know, tuck that one away. If you've got a, if you can, if you can bet it, I think DraftKings, I think DraftKings probably has him plus money to go in the first round. That's probably a good look. Let's see Tyler Smith. There's a t- um, plus 110 to go in the first round for Tyler Smith. I would bet that if I had access to DraftKings, which you do, Breach. Do I? Don't you? Maybe, probably. DraftKings has tons of props available for the draft. I, I'm going to check out. I have bet MGM because that was the first one in Tennessee. And then I didn't look at the other ones that are available. I think everything's here now. We got nothing in North Carolina. Huh? Nothing. The gambling guy has lives in a state. You need to move. You need to call CBS and tell them to pay for you to move to a state that has legalized gambling. Do you want me to call them for you? Sure. I'll put a good word in. I moved to Nashville. Hey, no state taxes, man. It'd be like getting a raise. I would I would move to Tennessee in a heartbeat. I love Tennessee. Aren't you from there? Didn't you go to high school here? I'm not from I'm from North Carolina, but I went to high school in Tennessee, yes. Guys, Brinson went to a private school in case anyone wants to know actually, how Brinson turned out to be Brinson. I actually left a private school and went to a private boarding school. That, I don't know if that's better or worse. That's it's worse. It's way worse. Okay. <laughs> way worse. Um <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you um Offensive line, wide receiver would be fine for the Titans. If, if you know, if they at, at 26, I also think you want to go best player available too, or you don't want to like, you know, because yeah. you're not looking at, you know, you're not getting in a top of the top tier player at the position. So why not, you know, get best player available? Yep. So that's what I would hope for if I was a Titans fan. And honestly, on the quarterback, Kenyon Green or Zion Johnson fell in their lap, they would be pretty thrilled with that. Probably. Also, if, if you want to take a quarterback, if they, sorry, if they do take a quarterback, I wouldn't be shocked because I think one of the underrated things of the last few weeks that really no one is talking about is that Ryan Tannehill is not at the offseason workouts and he's expected to be there, quote, shortly. That's kind of a red flag given that. I believe he has this is this may be the last year of his contract. At most he has two years left, I think. Yep, two years left. But the reason the only reason I'm, that would bug me if I'm in the Titans organization is because it's like, hey man, the last time we saw you, you threw three interceptions against the Bengals and basically cost us the game because we lost by three points. Maybe you could show up for the first round of voluntary workouts and we can try and uh work through this. 
Um, but yeah, Brinson, he has, I think he's yes. under contract to 2023. So he has, yeah, so he has two void years on the back end of his deal. His, 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 uh, cap hit this year is $38.6 million dead cap number of 57.4. So he can't go anywhere, but next year, $36.6 million cap hit 18.8 dead cap. So they can save a ton of money by cutting him after this season. And I would guess that Ryan Tannehill's absence from OT from the, the off season workouts is directly correlated to the fact that he would like an extension at the age of 34, by the way, or 33. And that the yeah, he's 33 will be uh, 34 this summer, I think. And the Titans have no interest in doing that because of his age. And that's what brings the quarterback into play at 26. Yeah. And you know what, though? If they did take a quarterback, the one interesting thing about Tanhill's contract uh, that you just mentioned is if they traded him after June 1st. This year? After June. Yes, this year. It'd have to be a trade. They'd pick up that because his base salary is $29 million. So they'd pick up $29 million in cap space. Oh my God, you're right. So you could draft a quarterback and maybe trade Tannehill it, training camp time. I don't know. I mean, like, Wait, it, I it, mean, it's, it's theoretically on the table. What well, once you get, let's say the Panthers don't trade for Baker Mayfield Ooh. and don't draft a quarterback at six. I mean, the draft is, and in. then you see the Titans draft a quarterback, and you're David Tepper, and you're thinking they don't need that new guy and Ryan Tannehill. I mean, yeah, it, it depends on who the new guy is too. Like, is it if it's Malik Willis? Maybe you want him to sit for a year, but you're right. You would be uh, twenty nine million dollars in cap space. His dead cap hit for this year would be nine point six million dollars. That's crazy. And, and you know who doesn't have a lot of cap space? The Tennessee Titans. Mm, interesting. That's kind of throwing a wrench in the AJ Brown stuff. It's they. They would love to have $29 million more in cap space. I, I do love that the people, the folks in the chat are like, hey, Debo, what about this? But Debo's not here. Nada <laughs> is running the chat. <laughs> so don't ask Debo any questions. Say, ask Nada questions. We'll pass those questions along to Debo. No, we won't. Debo's like, no one talks about my chat. Debo's um, vaca on vacation. Um, let me look. There, was, there were two questions in the chat that I want to get to really quickly. From, oh, uh, Jalen the Grant asked, uh, I have a question that I think is really good. Debu <laughs> was Washington just way ahead of their time with the cousins contract, considering that's how almost all quarterback contracts seem to go now. Uh, no, the Washington was not ahead of their time, but Washington was not. All right. Washington may have accidentally been ahead of their time. No, it's just, it, it's a, it, it, again, it's the whole debate of do you have a franchise quarterback? It's you know the Andy Dalton scale. Not to bring up Andy Dalton again. Hey, please uh, credit Chris. It's Weston. been a couple months since I brought up Andy Dalton. Exactly. And so you have, if you have a guy like Andy Dalton, you have if you have a guy better than Andy Dalton, you have a franchise quarterback. If you've got worse than Andy Dalton, then you need a franchise quarterback. And that's where the Kirk Cousins is of the world were falling in. Where Jay Gruden did not like Kirk Cousins. He's done several interviews since he he got fired in Washington, just saying that. You know, Kirk wouldn't do these things I wanted him to do, and he just – so Washington never wanted to give him a big money deal, and so they just kept playing it out year by year by year. Uh, you know, Washington was waiting for Kirk Cousins to fall off a cliff and then saying, all right, we'll move on, but he never did. And they were also waiting for him to maybe leading to uh, NFC title game uh, so they could reward him, but he never did that either. So they were just in quarterback purgatory, and you see that now. That's I feel like the Raiders are kind of – we talked about the Derek Carr contract. And we saw that with Andy Dalton before, and now Kirk Cousins. There's just these weird situations where you're just in QB purgatory, and that's how the contract makes it look. And the thing that happened with Cousins is 
They drafted RG3 in the you know number two overall with a big trade, obviously. They take Cousins in the fourth round in the 2012 draft. And RG3 plays, gets hurt. Eventually, Kirk Cousins takes over. And Cousins played well enough to earn money. But the at the time, the Arskins didn't want to pay him. And there was and Cousins was willing to hold out and keep going year to year because he, you know, it's a fourth round pick. And there was a whole um uh, what's his name? Bruce uh, former GM for Washington. Bruce Allen. Allen, thank you. Bruce Allen purposely called Kirk Cousins the wrong name. What do you call him? Kurt? He called him Kurt. Yeah. Remember in this press conference, they're like, what are you gonna do about this cousins contract? He's like, Well, Kurt is earned. You know, a, a decent sized contract. We can't give a ton of money. I mean, there was just animosity between the two sides. Kirk Cousins wasn't willing to get this contract for an organization he didn't believe would commit to him. He knew he could play out these guaranteed one year deals. He he knew he could stay healthy. He didn't take a ton of hits. Washington didn't want to give him big quarterback money, which it turns out would have just been a Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo contract. And so the two sides butted heads, and eventually he hit free agency. So. Washington was accidentally ahead of their time and Kirk Cousins was actually ahead of his time. All right. Next up on the mailbag. What's the biggest rivalry in the NFL? This is from at stub 67 in soccer. I'd say Celtic versus Rangers or Boca versus river breach. I will give you, I will Venmo you $3. If you can tell me without put your hand, don't, I want to see typing. Those four teams in soccer, where do they play? What are you looking at? No, I'm, not, I'm looking at the team names. Oh, it's on the screen. Celtic, Rangers, Boca, River. If you can get all four, because I don't know the answer. but so uh, you, I'll look it up. You can't lie. If you can get all four, Wilson would know this. Celtic sounds like they play Celtic, in... Probably not Celtic. Right, right, right. That's, that makes sense. In uh, <clears throat> England? somewhere in there so maybe what's what's the what's like a smaller league in england is that right i'm gonna, I'm gonna look so it's not a soccer podcast so i know the least amount of soccer um i i like i thought i thought it was like in on soccer now and i don't know i don't know either of these man um celtic what, what am i celtic I was ireland celtic I mean, celtic is clearly ireland right so is there an irish soccer league <laughs> Why do I get to look like a fool here? This is ridiculous. I've already uh, uh, Celtic versus Rangers is a Scottish Cup matchup. Scottish. Okay, I don't feel that far yeah, off. So there's Scottish. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Boca versus River. Brenton googling quickly. I'm good. I, I'm literally. It's an Argentinian Cup. There we go. Ah, Dominic, as always in the chat. Scotland. The other is uh, no. It's uh, it's Argent. It's Argentinian for River versus Boca. I would say, first of all, and Nada probably gave us the clues in the chat that I'm not reading. Ah, there we go. Yes, Nada, as always, all over it. Scottish Premier League. I didn't even know there's a Scottish Premier League. You don't follow Scottish soccer. It's embarrassing. Clearly. Um, as far as, like, the biggest rivalry in the NFL, I would say it's, I mean, I don't know, Breach, you're the AFC North guy. It's probably Steelers versus Ravens, right? Oh, and by the way, the rival between uh, Boca and River is called the Super Classico. Ah, I fun didn't fact. Yeah, fun fact. 
Uh, you know, it is crazy because you look at kind of throughout history, and I feel like maybe there were some historical rivalries like Cowboys Steelers because they met in the Super Bowl a couple times, and also the NFC East had a bunch of Cowboys Giants, Cowboys Eagles. But that division has been such trash for 15 years that it feels like you don't have any that are nationally significant. You know, I don't know that anybody in California cares when the Eagles play the Giants. And, and so I think the problem with looking at rivalries right now is that with all these, with all the player movement, you know, Russell Wilson getting traded from the Seahawks to the Broncos kind of kills any rivalry the Seahawks might have had, or Tom Brady leaving the AFC East kills all those Patriots AFC East rivalries. And so, and, and the other thing you have is that like players don't talk trash like they used to. You remember Chad Johnson? He would just, that that was the heyday of like Bengals Steelers uh, because he would talk smack all the time. You just don't see that. So I think it's hard to pick out a rivalry nowadays that's as good as like the old time NFL rivalries were. I, I think right now, yeah, maybe something in AFC North, but the Steelers just lost Ben Roethlisberger, so maybe Steelers-Ravens is tough to put yeah, on the list, even though it's been a great rivalry, but ha we don't know what it's going to look like going forward. Um, Steelers-Ravens was... So I think that these rivalries in, in modern football exist differently than they did back in the day. So, like, you had... Like, the Steelers and Cowboys were rivals, right? A long time ago. Um Right, you know, Clarence you, in the chat mentioning 49ers Cowboys uh from the 90s. Ex like, exactly. It was like you know, powerhouse teams pre-free agency or like early free agency, not like it is now, where you know all the you know these battles happen. The problem is almost all of these teams are so cyclical, with the exception of and even really the Pats now, right? Like the Pats Bills could be a great rivalry, except the Pats might not be that good anymore. So Bears, Packers, yeah, sure, except Aaron Rodgers last year just reminded Bears fans that he owns them. It's not a rivalry if Rodgers beats your ass every every like twice a year. Bucks, I mean uh Saints Falcons is a is a great like like a great southern hatred rivalry. And as someone who lives in the south, I get it, like the the extreme like the sort of the southern neighborhood, the southern neighbor like rivalry. I get it, but like I don't know. It's not, it's not like a prominent NFL rivalry. 49ers Seahawks was awesome when Harbaugh and Pete Carroll were going at it. But that sort of dissipated a bit. They do hate each other. Chiefs Raiders is classic, but, you know, I mean, Andy Reid, what, the Raiders have gotten one or two in the last five or six years? Yeah. And that's the other thing. Coaching rivalries make it interesting. I think Cameron Harbaugh, like you just mentioned, was a great one. That was probably the last great coaching one. Um, and then, the, like, then the NFC East, you know, there's like four or five different rivalries, or like maybe eight rivalries in there, but no one cares because we're sick of seeing these bad teams on our TV. And and the Chiefs have won eight, eight of their last nine against the Raiders, so it's hard to call yes. that a rivalry. Like, exactly. it's just, you know what? You know what rivalry I like right now is Bills, Bills Chiefs, Bills Patriots, and Bills Chiefs would be Bills Chiefs is a good one. Bills anyone. Uh, Bills Chiefs. I like Bills Patriots. You remember after the Patriots won fourteen to ten, and McDermott and, and the somebody in the press conference tried to credit Belichick, and McDermott just got angry. He's like Bill Belichick. Like that was that's and what I want to see. The next week, he started crying at halftime to, to, like, like, to Tracy Wilson about the when he was losing to the Bucks. That's that's the kind of emotion I want to see. So yeah, I would say Bills Patriots or Bills Chiefs, and, and probably Bills Chiefs if we're talking about a game that everyone in the country would sit down and watch if it was on TV tonight. Yeah. 
I think um, Packers Niners might qualify as sort of a modern ish rivalry just because of the way they've gone back and forth over the last few years. Yeah. And I mean, even because in the 90s, they were playing all the time, but then they had that wall because the 49ers weren't good from 2004 to 2011. <laughs> Tony Pritchard of the Jets. That's pretty good. Washington and common decency is a huge rivalry. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, what a big jam. <laughs> That's, That's clever. Washington and a modicum of, of decency. Anyway, all right, next question. So we agree. Chiefs Bills. What's that? Chiefs Bills. Is that our answer? <laughs> I think Chiefs Bills is the best rivalry. In That's football. our Boca versus River of the NFL. Yeah, yeah, it's the uh, yeah. I mean, if like we got Chiefs Bills in the divisional game, divisional round this past year, and everyone was like, "Well, that's basically the Super Bowl," and it, they weren't wrong. And then neither team made the Super Bowl. Break. And then the Bengals lost in the Super Bowl. Anyway, uh, what player to Matthew Stafford? What player? I'm sorry. What players from the past would you guys? Like to see in today's NFL, thinking more quarterbacks and receivers in the past happy game of today. Uh, that's from Jack. Uh, I'm not reading your whole username, Jack. Jack M. Hoff, 7777. Clever, clever little boy. Um, I cannot believe you just read his whole name. Jack M. Hoff. <laughs> it doesn't sound any better <laughs> when you say it again. <laughs> that sounds worse. I know. Um, I would say the obvious and immediate answer is Dan Marino. <laughs> yes, Dan Marino is definitely at the top of the list. Um, I feel so bad for people who listen to this on Mondays. They're like, "What? Why are these guys so like <laughs> so goofy?" <laughs> yeah. Um, Marino's up there. I, I'll tell you one that I never thought I would say until um, until CBS maybe start doing the Super Bowl rankings. Terry Bradshaw. What? He had like Terry Bradshaw had an absolute howitzer down the field in a in a in a time in like a, a, a time when one you got your face decleated every five seconds by defenders. And two, teams didn't like to pass the ball. You like he didn't pass much. He wasn't very accurate. And I think that's probably more a byproduct of like I think he has some I think Terry Bradshaw. Had uh, I don't want to say Josh Allen tendencies because I'm not sh like I don't know if he would have been mobile or not, but I mean he whipped whipped the ball downfield. So I will say Bradshaw, but Marino is the obvious first answer. Um, I also have two quarterbacks. I won't steal any of your answers. Good. I'm gonna go with Randall Cunningham. Yeah, great. I think call. in the modern NFL they would know how to use his talents much better. Is I your mean, next one? Well, he was a beast back then. He was an animal. And so, I mean, being him on Tech Mobile, you never lost. You would literally never lose if you had Randall Cunningham on your team. Ooh. Or Eagles QB1, because I don't think you could use his name. Yeah. Bo Jackson was unstoppable. At Bo Jackson was also unstoppable. My, you can see Michael Vick next? My, uh, no, Michael Vick played in the, anybody uh, played in the 2000s, I'm not counting. I don't know, man. Michael I Vick was playing. Players like from the past. I mean, Michael Vick played until, he played all right, all right, let's, in the last let's, 10 years. Yeah. I can't put him on this list. My other one, though, is... I was going to erase the whole jail thing and have him go to not gym more often. Like, like, all right. Michael Vick comes out of Virginia Tech in 2022 and is drafted by Andy Reid and the Chiefs. 
Oh yeah, that would like, be amazing. That, that's that's sort of where I was going with that one. I, I understand like he is modern, but that would be kind of well. Then that's that's the question. There is what players would you want to see with better offensive minds? Uh, you know, like who didn't get handcuffed by their coaching? You know, like that's a separate question. I mean, I remember watching Vic play the Panthers. I'm trying to think what year it was. I don't think it was a playoff game. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw Mike Vick levitate over, like, a five-yard span into the end zone on a scramble for a touchdown. Like, he floated for five yards. Yeah, he was crazy. I mean, Vick is one of the best athletes, one of the most electrifying athletes, and definitely... Has a great birthday, too. Played with somebody... Is it your birthday? Yeah, same one. What? Me, Vick, Cheater, and Chad uh, Vic is one year older than me. Uh, that's fascinating. Fun fact. Um, who so, else? Who's your other quarterback? So my other quarterback is Steve Fran Young. Tarkenton. Oh, that's a good one. And you know why it's Fran Tarkenton is because he is the only player on the top fifteen most passing yards in NFL history. He's the only player in the top fifteen who retired before nineteen ninety, before nineteen ninety five, and he retired nineteen seventy eight. So think about that. So everybody else who's putting up these huge yards, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, all these guys are playing these modern offenses. Fran Tarkenton put up over 47,000 yards, threw for more than Carson Palmer, uh, you know, somebody who was flinging it all the time, threw for more yards than Joe Montana. And he played from, and, and Tarkenton played from 61 to 78. So the fact that he was able to crack the top 15 uh, of all-time passing yards, and the fact that he ran around, uh, and he did all that from 61 to 78, makes me wonder how good he could have been if he played today. Looking at the wide receivers, I don't see a ton that really stand out as, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, unless you want to say, like, I mean, Jerry Rice obviously would be, you know, probably have, I don't know what Jerry Rice's numbers would be today, because he had monster numbers back in the day, but you could also make the case that Jerry Rice was in an offense that was so far advanced in terms of yeah what everyone else like what everyone else was doing in the league they were way ahead of the curve and so like I'm not I'm not I don't know what argument I'm trying to make here but I, I mean I, I think that like I don't know that Rice would have like one and a half times what he had before I think it would right. I think he would just still have monster numbers. I mean, he had the benefit of a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, there's Two no guarantee. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah. So, you put him in an offense today, and uh, Baker Mayfield is his quarterback. Who knows what he ends up putting up? So, he the, had. Um, I don't know if this counts. Uh, Damian Tomlinson. When did he? He retired in the 2000s, right? 2000. Yeah, 2000. Yeah, 10 years. I mean, he played those two years of the Jets were sad. I tried to look at only people before 2000. That was my qualifier. But you know what? To eat our own, Brinson. We had our own. Oh, no, qualifier. I'm just thinking like LT had in – he won MVP, I believe, in 2006. He had 1,815 rushing yards, 28 touchdowns, averaged 113.4 yards per game, 5.2 yards per carry. He also had 56 catches on 80 targets for 508 yards. He had in 2003 a 100-catch season on 137 targets. I think if you put LT in a modern offense with a good quarterback and a smart offensive coordinator, that he would have a 1,000-1,000 season. Yeah. Not and that would be, you know, like people talk about what Christian McCaffrey can do. 
Are you saying your boy Philip Rivers didn't take advantage of him enough? No, I'm just saying. I mean, Dang. you gotta remember, dude. Like in the early 2000s, running backs were winning MVP, and people weren't. You know, it wasn't a pass heavy league because Bill Polian hadn't winded the competition committee yet. Because mm-hmm. Belichick was jamming his receivers. And finally, Polian. You know, uh, I'm gonna go because Belichick's cheating. Real quick with Steve Largent. He is, there are only 20 players in NFL history who have more than 13,000 receiving yards. He is the <clears throat> the only person, I'm dying, he's the only person on that list who played his entire career before 1990. So not during a time where the NFL was heavy on passing and he still somehow hit 13,000. And also James Lofton. He is number 12 on the all-time receiving list, over 14,000 yards. And was done by 1993. And he put up, you know, the back end of his career, he got to play in the K-Gun offense in Buffalo. Um, so obviously that helped him put up huge numbers, but that wasn't his entire career. Um, you know, started in Green Bay. And I think um, right there. I think you could also add Walter Payton, Jim Brown. Jim Brown's like the coolest person I've ever seen in person. He, he's he. I walked by him in the hallway. Remember that Audi party we went to in uh, Phoenix, maybe? Oh, Phoenix. Why are you going to rub that stuff in, Brinson? Oh, you weren't there. Oh. I was in Las you Vegas. Were in Vegas, whatever. <laughs> we went to this Audi party. Like was it Audi? Audi? I, don't, Audi? I never know. Audi? Audi. Audi? Like an <laughs> Audi belly button. Is that right? Maybe. I don't know. Hey, anyway, man. we went to a car party. <laughs> and I was going to take a leak. And I walked down the hallway. And Jim Brown is walking with like two handlers behind him. And I was like, Oh my God. I said out loud, Oh my God, Jim Brown. He said, what's up dog. And gave me a fist pound and kept moving. It was incredibly cool. And he won. Not for me. He he was just incredibly cool. Um, I just, I I think Jim Brown and Barry Sanders are interesting to think about because if they were playing in 2022, would they be workhorses or would, you know what I mean? Like, or would teams, you know, would there be like a, um, Tony Pollard behind them that teams would, you, you know what I mean? Like, Teams just don't, you don't have many workhorses anymore. Yeah, I think that you they would not be workhorses. That's just not the nature of football right now. Like the modern game, and that's the thing about bringing running backs into the modern game is that they're not going to be doing what they were doing. If they can't catch, then they're not going to be as successful as they were back then because no one's getting 300 carries per season. I, I think Jim Brown probably would have been able to figure out catching the football and Barry Sanders yeah, Barry Sanders, man, that would have been awesome. Yeah, Barry Sanders, maybe in the modern game. Yeah, if, if he was, you know, used in maximum capacity. Maybe the one other guy you could. There's somebody else I saw that I want to throw out there, and maybe not. I mean, pre 2000, I almost said OJ Simpson. That would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could still say it. You already said it. <laughs> no, I didn't actually. You said, said it. I almost said dang it. it. I said I almost said it. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. That'll do it. Enough. Let's let's, let's end on Brinson almost saying OJ. <laughs> Great question from Jack M. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's uh, that's it. Oh, Dan Fouts. Somebody in the chat threw Dan Fouts. That that works. Fouts could sling it. Yeah, loves a good uh, Oregon Pinot too. And also lost to the Cincinnati Bengals in the 1981 AFC Championship game. How dare you? Very notable. How dare you insult the Chargers and our colleague Dan Fouts like that. 
All right, that'll do it for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you're if you're if you watch on Friday, have a great weekend. You can tweet my wife happy birthday at AKW Brinson on Twitter. If you're listening on Monday, happy birthday, birthday. happy belated birthday for Breach. I'm Brinson. We will see you guys tomorrow or next week. Later. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.